Please join me in the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. O come, let us worship him, let us kneel and bow down before him, let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise.
Our scripture lesson for this evening is taken from 2 Peter, the third chapter, verses 10 through 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth, and we pray that you would now increase our faith through them. Amen. A number of years ago, I was speaking with a man who had grown up in the former Soviet Union, and uh, when I was a child and up into high school and things, the Soviet Union was our great enemy. It was the great fearful enemy, and nuclear war was a very real thing in our lives. And we uh, were taught various ways to hopefully protect ourselves. Right in Tigen Hall, down in the bottom of the hallway, there were two large closets underneath the staircase, uh, kind of back behind one of the elevator, the elevator, and it was filled with large metal canisters of rations, a certain cracker that you could eat in order to uh, survive a nuclear attack. That's how real this was. I remember having to move, the, move those big tin boxes around a few, a few times when I worked here in the summers. So there was a lot of talk about nuclear war and about that possibly being the way that the world would finally someday come to an end. And I remember in some of my high school religion classes, students asking our instructors, do you think the passages that there are in the Bible that talk about the end of the world, like some of the ones we just read, do you think those could be describing actually a nuclear war? That this would be the way God allows the world to finally come to an end. It's interesting how throughout time people have been fascinated with the end of time. And authors tap into that fear. Musicians do. Also, uh, also movie directors and so on. Tapped into these themes that seem to resonate inside of human beings. That, that there's an, a final end coming to everything. What many people consider to be the first work of modern fiction was written in 1826 by an author named Mary Shelley. It was called The Last Man. She's the lady that also wrote Frankenstein. And um, it's about a man who survives a horrible plague in Europe and now has to live in this plague-infested world and loses his family, and he's the last human being that's alive. It got very negative reviews, apparently, for, for many years after it was written. But what's interesting is in the mid-1960s, when nuclear war was suddenly a reality again, uh, it was republished and had a whole new audience. So what is it about the end times that resonates with us, that, that kind of stings down inside of us? Uh, there's an in, internal sense in all of us that, that there is something about this world around us, on the buildings that we're in and everything, that ultimately will be gone. 
Paul says, We know the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And when we look at our world, it's, it's like a woman in labor waiting for that moment for this all to finally come to an end. Dr. Walther said it this way, In the same way that every illness in your body reminds you of your coming death, so it is with the signs that are out there in nature. And, and when we listen to how Peter describes it, just think of what he's actually saying here. The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements, all the, all the elements of the earth, will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. All things will be dissolved. It's really quite a, an amazing and, and very fearful uh, picture that Scripture gives us. But now when it comes to addressing the believer, those who trust in Christ as their Savior and have been brought to faith in him, God treats, treats this subject in a whole di- from a whole different perspective. We have a whole different way of looking at these things that are coming than the unbelieving world with. He calls it the day of the Lord, okay? The, the Lord, our King, our Savior. And he says we should be looking for and hastening the coming day of God. We should, as believers, be, be praying that it happens soon. We should want it to hurry up and, and to get here. During World War II, there were uh, thousands of American soldiers being held in, in prisons. There were at least 100 prison camps in Germany alone. And uh, a number of them started a newspaper together called the P-O-W-W-O-W, Pow Wow. The prisoner of war waiting on winning because they expected that they were going to be released at some point because the Americans and the Allies would win the war. And uh, they claimed this was the only newspaper in Germany that really told the truth. 92,000 men, American soldiers, were finally released uh, by the Allied forces when they came through to liberate everybody. And what their captors, the people holding them, what they saw as this horrible day of fear, the Americans who were being released, they saw it as a great day of freedom and hope. It brought tremendous joy to them when they they suddenly sensed the armies coming near these camps. That's how believers are allowed by God to look at the, the great day of destruction that's coming on the world. The unbelieving world is terrorized by this. But those of us that, are, that belong to Christ and, and through the waters of baptism have been made part of his church and have been dressed in his holy righteousness by faith, we can look forward to this day. We can see it as a wonderful day, a day of joy when our redemption, the day that we're finally bought back to God out of this sin-filled world and we get to go to heaven. And the very one who has given his life for us, his arrival now on the clouds with the great trumpet call and the blast, his arrival means our final liberation. And that's why the Bible always addresses Christians about this day with joy and optimism and something we could look forward to. The mark that God has placed on you as one who belongs to the winning side on that day is the mark of faith. And uh, that is the deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, 
given to you by the Holy Spirit, the mark of faith in our hearts that loves our Savior and trusts in him. He says, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So the issue that Peter is addressing for us here is this. While we're waiting, okay, how should we live? What, what, should, we, what should we occupy ourselves with? What manner of persons ought you to be, he says. Imagine a, a wonderful Christian grandfather who promises to come and take his grandchild somewhere for spring break, maybe a teenager, but uh, maybe one that's early adulthood, but doesn't tell him exactly the day of the week that he's coming, but says, I'm coming next week. I'm going to pick you up and take you on a wonderful trip for spring break. Imagine how sad it would be for that grandfather to come and find, uh, find his grandson caught up in maybe having to go find him drunk in a bar or maybe at a party or have to pull him out of a county jail where he's been sent in there for shoplifting or out of a strip club or something. That's not where, where that grandson would want to be found. Your Savior, who has paid for your entrance into heaven entirely and has given you faith in him, your Lord and Savior is coming back to take you home. So how does he want us to be ready? He wants us to be ready as someone who is really looking forward to that day and as someone who really appreciates and cherishes all the things that he's done for us and what a beautiful home we have waiting for us. The one thing we are not to do is to spend our time living for this world that's going to get burned up, living for all the things of this life that are going to end up being ultimately meaningless. George Steckard, a great theologian, said, detaching ourselves from the nature of this world is a prerequisite to true sanctification. I like that. Detaching ourselves from all the pleasures and things of this world. He says, Peter says, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So God would have us live a life of regular repentance, understanding we're going to fall uh, time and time again with our sins, but to daily go back to him in true repentance, going back to the waters of our baptism where our old Adam is drowned and uh, where the, the, new, the new man rises inside of each of us once again, constantly keeping in mind where our real home is and that our Savior is coming to take us there. I love the last line of our text tonight. We look forward for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Let us pray. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful through time and eternity. Amen.